it is good to see you this morning. Isn't it good to be together? Just feel the energy of the Lord. So many wonderful things happening. I hope that you have been able to join us in some of our home prayer meetings. We're in a, a six-week season right now. We're calling Day One. And Day One is, is our um, time leading up to Easter where we're hoping for a lot of people that that will be their day one with Jesus, where, where Jesus on that day was the, kind of the first day of a whole new world where the Son of God rose from the dead and everything changed. And we've been doing um, in-home prayer meetings. And it's been amazing. We have so many prayer meetings that, that you guys all volunteered to do that a lot of days there's multiple ones in one day and there's like every single day there's something somewhere. And so when you came in the church today, you got a bulletin and that bulletin for these six weeks has become a, a whole thing of just a list of all the prayer meetings. So join with one of those. If you've not done it, um, take a night aside. Some of them are in the middle of the day. Take what fits your schedule and go join. They're usually pretty small, um, a couple handful of people, five people, something like that, six people, sometimes 10 people. But join together a few other people. And what we're really focusing and pray about anything, we're focusing on praying for the people that God has laid in our hearts that we want to, 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 invade, to get involved in their lives to help them come to know Christ in their life. And so we're praying for people. And so uh, join with one of those prayer meetings. It would be great. You will love it. So look in the bulletin. Um, and I'm assuming in the Church Center app has that calendar also. So you can look on there where they all are. You can tell who the tech-savvy people are and the, the paper people. I'm the paper people. Um, anybody in here still a paper person? Oh, I'm in good company. All right. Um, one other thing about that. I hope you've been enjoying somebody, the reason I brought this up, somebody said to me how much they're liking the, uh, the daily devotions we've been doing on the YouVersion app. And so we're all as a church going through this in a six-week period doing these different devotions focused on how do you help somebody else come to know Jesus? How do you reach your community? How do you love your family for Christ? And somebody said, Pastor, I'm loving these things. And so um, you can go also go on a church center app, figure out how to get there. And if you can't figure out how to find that, we'll help you get there. I can do it. If I can do it on my phone, y'all can do it, right? And so I, Suzanne, and I, Suzanne and I do. Every morning at breakfast, one of us reads it to the other one. And we kind of switch. Like one will read the devotion, and then one will read the verses tied to it. And so we do that every, every morning, kind of first thing when we before we start the day. We go through the, the Bible study or the devotion for that day. And they're short. Sometimes they're Four or five minutes, sometimes they're seven, eight minutes. And so uh, I really encourage you to do that because we're trying to get all of our hearts just in line with what God is doing because he's doing amazing things already. You know, we really felt the Lord saying if we would prepare and pray that he would, because he, the, the world is ready. The world is ready. We're coming out, the world's crazy right now. They're saying we need an answer. The, there is an answer. His name is Jesus. And so we just felt the Lord direct us to do it. And so we're just seeing so many wonderful things happening in people's lives. People for the first time coming to know Christ and people who've been inviting a family member for, for a decade, they, won't, they wouldn't listen from Christ. And they come to church with them. And, and so we're just seeing a lot of, of, a lot of amazing things. And so let's keep praying and let's keep connected to the Lord and let's just be amazed at what God can do. Amen? All right. Well, today is the third week of a four-week series we're doing as part of of part of a day one, this six-week, 42 days leading up to Easter. And we took four weeks of this, these four weeks, week three, um, where we're trying to look at what could we do in our lives to help people um, find Jesus in their life, 
that how could we help them discover Jesus in their life as a Savior, investigate the things of Christ. And for the first week, Pastor Paul talked about the necessity of building relationships with people and what that looks like and how sometimes we live our lives in such ways that we don't build relationships. And what could we do in order to start to build relationships with people? Then Pastor Mitch preached last week about the place of listening before speaking. And who knows that I, on purpose, I said this, I asked Pastor Mitch to do that because I thought you might throw rocks at me if I preached that sermon because I'm not a great listener. I work. You have no idea how hard I work at listening. But I'm more of a talker. And Pastor Mitch, these guys did phenomenal jobs in those messages. And if you've not heard them, go on our Church Center app, go to the sermons and listen to those because these four messages all tie together. They're strategic components that we think if you have these components, you'll be better equipped at loving your neighbor in such a way that you actually can lead them to the most important thing on the planet, which is the Savior. So now today in week three, I want to add something to this that I hope will be really just simple and practical, that I'm going to explain to you how you could explain to somebody what I'm going to call the, the salvation story, or help them understand what God is doing in the world and, and what part we have to, to play in that. Hopefully what's been going on is you've been building relationships with some people and praying for people and listening as Pastor Mitch taught us about how to listen well, listening to their stories. And now you might have the opportunity to begin to explain to someone what it is about, what, like what God's doing in the world, what a relationship with Jesus is like, why Jesus is, came to the earth, and that, that you could help them see they could have a relationship with Christ. And that's what I want to talk about today. And my hope is that I can explain this in such a way that you can also easily explain it to someone else. And I'm going to explain it as a story, because that's really what it is. It's a, it's a story. So we're going to talk about a story today. But before we could ever talk about the story that's got to be told, I think we need to talk about something else first. I think we need to talk about the storytellers. If we are going to tell a story, that means that we, you and me, are storytellers. And I think, I think we understand that, that we really believe that God, um, you know, he created the world and he sent his son Jesus and that we believe that all people need Jesus, that every person's created and that Jesus is the way. And I think we understand that the way that people learn about the way, Jesus, is through people who tell their own story. Now, there's something I think we need to think about, about us being storytellers telling the story of Jesus. And is this, if anyone is ever going to want to listen to what we have to say, tell a story, then our lives have to reveal that the story that we're telling them has made a profound positive difference in our life. If I'm going to tell someone that they need what I have found, and that's kind of what it is, it's we find the truth, then what I have found has to have made a positive impact in my life. Otherwise, why would they want to listen to what I have to say and why would they want what I want? Now, when I say we have to have lives as storytellers that would display that people would want what we have, I'm not in any way saying our lives have to be perfect because none of our lives are perfect. And I'm not saying that we can't be honest about our struggles because, in fact, I would say being honest about your struggles might be one of the most important things you could talk about, about your story as a storyteller, 
in order to talk about Jesus because Jesus comes in and helps us in our struggles. What I'm saying is if anybody is going to want what you have, then they have to see that what we have in Jesus is a very good thing. How would they see that? I think they would see it in things like this. They would see us having hope in times of despair. Being hopeful in a world that that seems to be kind of going crazy, that they look at you and they say, how come you seem calm and hopeful? I think they can see it when we have joy in hardship. You're going through something really difficult and maybe everybody around you in that same situation would be cursing life because of it, but you still have a sense of joy because of Jesus in your life. And people scratch their head and they go, how can you have joy in the midst of that? Or how about this, that because of Jesus in your life, who is love, God is love, and Jesus has invaded your life, and now the love of God dwells within you and flows out of you, you have love for others when other people's hearts are filled with hate. And people go, how could you love? Those are the kind of things that happen to us when we walk with Jesus. The Apostle Paul said this. He said it in, in, he wrote a letter to the people in Ephesus. He said, For you were formerly darkness. You used to live in darkness. But now you are the light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. Walk as children of light. He's saying, We walk and display a life that is different when we're in Christ. And if we're going to be effective at all in leading others into knowing Jesus, then the light of God needs to shine forth from us. And that would mean that we need to look a bit different than the darkness around us. And we have to reveal that there is a better way than living in the darkness of our world. You say, but yeah, Pastor Mark, how does that happen? I don't think it's that complex. We, how do we display the love and light of Jesus? We live in the light and love of Jesus, and then it comes through us. Jesus described it this way one time in a word picture. He says, we abide in Jesus. He said, we abide. He describes it like a vine and a branch. He says, a vine, you know, um, grows out and has grapes. But where do the grapes grow? The grapes grow on branches that come off of the vine. And he says that he's the vine and we're the branches. He says there's a connection, there's an abiding. And as we connect with God, the reality of God, the flow, the the sap flows from God into us. So there's an abiding. How do we do that? We abide in his word. We spend time in in the scriptures. I think we abide in, in quietness. Yesterday morning, Suzanne was here at church for a number of hours. The whole worship team was and they're having worship practice. The reason they can do what they do up here, friends... It doesn't go poof. They spent hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours practicing for our benefit. And they were here doing that. And I sat on the couch with Jack, my Springer Spaniel, who kept putting his foot on my Bible. I don't know why. I think he's the Antichrist sometimes. Um, But yesterday I think he was. Um, But I just sat with the Lord. In the scriptures, reading the Bible, just going through. I remember I, I spent time in Psalm 103 and I, 107, and I was just going through it. It was just so powerful, and I would just stop. I was all by myself, and I was, I was talking out loud to God and praying out loud and singing out loud. Then I went into the, into the New Testament, and I was reading from the, from the Gospel of John, and, and I just spent a long time just in silence with the Lord, just dwelling in his word. 
I was just being with God. I wasn't checking boxes, accomplishing anything. There was no clock saying, spend this much time. I was just sitting with Jesus. When I was done with that, I watched Al Lindner teaching how to catch smallmouths in cold water. But um, so, so it wasn't just that, but I'm saying I spent time with Jesus just sitting in stillness with him. And here's what happens. You allow him to rub off on you when you do that. And I say this, it's really not that complicated. It's spending, you know, at least as much time with Jesus as you do with Netflix, right? It's making choices. It's being aware of his presence and then structuring our lives on purpose so that we really do prioritize being with him so that we can desire, because we desire to be like him. It's just kind of like hanging out with Jesus. And we do that in silence and solitude in his word. We do it also in worship. We commit to being together like this. And, you know, it's a, it's a way that God helps us experience his grace. So we prioritize our life around the right things. And as we do that, as storytellers, we become like the person whose story we're telling, Jesus. And then when we tell the story, people go, wow. You're different because of him. We go, yeah, that's what we're talking about. So it's a storyteller. We're the storytellers. And we need, to, we need to reflect him. So as storytellers then, now let's kind of move to thinking about the story that we tell, the message that we can share. And that's just what I found out over like 33 years now of being a, a pastor. I found that a lot of Christians are afraid to talk to other people about Jesus because they say, I just don't know what to say. You know, we think that we have to explain some huge theological process and that people are going to ask impossible questions. We're not going to have answers. So we think the best thing to do is just to say nothing. Well, first, let me just let you relax and let, you, let me tell you this, that there's no magical words you could ever memorize to do it. I would say this, in my conversations with people about Jesus, I don't think any two conversations are ever the same. Because we're listening before we speak, right, Pastor Mitch? And then we're simply trying to respond a lot of times to what God has done, through what God has done in our lives. And what we're really just trying to do is help people see the reality of Jesus. He's the one, the Spirit's the one doing the work, not us. We don't have to convince people. We can try to explain questions, but we don't have to convince them. We let the Holy Spirit do the work. Matter of fact, it's not my job to convince anybody to walk to know Jesus. Jesus is the one who's come into the life. The Spirit of God through Jesus' Spirit is here in the world, and he's the one doing the work. He's the one convincing people of the truth, convicting of sin, it says. He's the one doing that. So I don't need to do that. I'm just partnering with him, and, 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 and so I don't have to have this great big thing memorized. But I would say this also, and that's one side of the coin. The other side of the coin is it's a really good idea to have an idea of what you can say to explain simply to people and say, well, you can jump off of this, but to a simple idea of how do I explain. So I want you to be able to understand that when you explain, I think the simplest way to understand, you're just telling a story. That's all you're doing. It's not some great theological concept that you're trying to describe. Matter of fact, you try to do that, you're probably going to lose the person. You ever talk to somebody and their eyes glass over? And you go, lost them. You know, try to define, you know, try to explain to them with big theological framework what you're trying to do. No, 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 no. They'll just go, eyes glass over, and they go, 
Um, oh, I've got to call my mother. <laughs> Somebody said they've got to call their mother. It's probably no, they're trying to get away from you. The reason I say that is Suzanne and I were talking to a person out, out in Utah, and, uh, and uh, she tried to get away. She asked us about, she's a totally, total non-believer. We're sitting in a coffee shop, and she said, tell me about prayer. So she had a book I was reading. We talked to her, and finally you could say she wanted to escape. She said, I've got to go call my mother. <laughs> really? <laughs> liar, liar, liar. So Suzanne shaking her head going, people are supposed to call their mothers. Um, so I don't know why I said that. But we're just sharing a story. It's a story. It has the beginning and it has an ending. It has a plot and it has movement towards a conclusion. It has a villain and it has a hero and it's a love story. That's all the God, that's that's what the whole Bible is. The Bible is a love story. And I believe this. Now, I'm not saying this could be great. There's not a whole lot more that can be explained. But I believe that any one of us can tell the story around the structure of four words. And I want to make it that simple. Something so simple that you could write these four words on a napkin in a restaurant as a, as a tool for you and for the person. You could write these four words on a napkin and you could explain what one of the words mean and you would literally tell the entire story. And so I want to just go through those four words. The four words, you got a card. You all get a card when you walked in today? If you didn't get one, get one on the way out from the ushers because I'm just going to talk about these four words. So on the back side, day one on the front, on the back side are four Words. These are the four words. Relationship, rejection, rescue, restoration. Isn't that cute how they all had R's? It took me a long time to come up with the words that could all start with the same letter. So, but I want you to make it simple to remember. Relationship, rejection, rescue, restoration. You could write these on a napkin in a restaurant and explain those four words. Relationship. It's about how it all began. In the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And he created man and he created woman. How did he create him? He created them be with him in paradise in the garden of Eden. The book of Genesis shows that God created all the earth to be a place where man would thrive. It was abundance. And that, that man would, would reflect the image of God as they ruled in the world that God created in his love for mankind, the way that God loved man and put him in the garden, this awesome place, and said, now you're in charge. And God loved them. In the garden, think of this, in that relationship, no sin, no pain, no brokenness. Can you imagine that? We, here's the, you can't imagine that. We can't. No sin, no pain, no brokenness. Everything we read in life is through the, through the metric of sin, brokenness, and pain. But in the garden, none of that. Just think that it was God loving man and God loving creation and mankind loving God back. Can you imagine being Adam? And you can just tell stories. Adam, it says he's walking with God in the cool of the day and they're naming animals. Hey, I think I call that a platypus. You know, that looks like an octopus. You know, um, that looks like a giraffe. You know, just going around naming animals. Just think of, of God doing all that stuff. That's what They're just hanging out and God saying, look at this thing. Everything's for you, Adam. Everything's for you, Eve. He looked at Adam and said, it's not good for you, like John. It's not good for you to be alone. You need somebody to complete you, right? Holly completes you. You married up. 
Yeah. Yeah, you did. So did Adam. And so, so God just made this beautiful existence. It was all about a relationship. God loving man, loving creation. They're all living in relationship. This is the beginning of the love story. That God, that God, when he created everything for humankind. And what does the story tell us about God? It says God is good. God is loving. God is for you. That's what, the soul, that's what the message of the relationship tells you. God's for humankind. He did all this for us. He made this beautiful, perfect, wonderful world. Relationship. Our loving, the card, our loving God created mankind for relationship with him. The first R, relationship. But it didn't stop there. It's a story. Remember, a story has movement. A story is a plot. It's going somewhere. The next R, rejection. It didn't take long for the love story to get messed up. Love stories always do get messed up, right? Didn't take long for something to happen. Genesis 3, the very beginning of the Bible, tells us that the crafty serpent, enter the villain. The crafty serpent, Satan, the Bible calls him. It says he approached Eve and he convinced her to trust him instead of God. God had said that, that they should not, Adam and Eve should not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he says, because if you eat it, you're going to die. Here's the deal. God, remember this relationship, it's loving. God created, he's protecting humankind. He's protecting mankind. Don't do that. If you do it, you will die. But says Satan, the serpent, convinced them that God was actually restricting them. Oh, God's keep, God doesn't want you to be like him. God, God is trying to hold you back. You're missing out. And basically you're saying this, God's not for you. The enemy's whispering in their ear. God's not for you. He's keeping something from you. So both Adam and Eve ate. And it says their eyes were opened. And their relationship with God was completely changed and altered. And it says in, in, the, in, in Genesis for the protection of mankind. Because remember, God is the loving one. For mankind's protection, it says God removes Adam and Eve from the garden in order to keep them from eating from the tree of life. The reason God put them out and put a cherub and a sword, a flaming sword, and said you can't come back, is not to be mean. He's saying you can't stay in the garden because there was a different tree, the tree of life. He said if you eat of that tree, you will stay in your lost condition, your brokenness forever. And God was keeping mankind from being locked eternally into that broken condition. I want you to notice something about the rejection. Who rejected whom? Did God reject man? Never. Man rejected God. Man rejected God and made a decision to listen and to follow Satan instead of God. Listen to that voice that says, oh, God's not for you. Do this instead. And that decision of following the enemy instead of following God led to a broken relationship between God and man. Broken relationship because they rejected God. Broken relationship between man and man. What's the first thing? Here's Adam saying earlier, Oh, Eve, she's bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, like everybody on their first date, right? She's beautiful. And then what's he say when God's standing there? The woman you gave me, God, her fault. Curse her, blame her, I didn't do it, not guilty. And God's saying, oh yes, you are. Brokenness between man and man, and brokenness between man and creation. 
He said, now you'll only eke out an existence by the sweat of your brow. <coughs> Excuse me. Brokenness results because they rejected God. And all the brokenness and pain, hear this, friends, all the brokenness and pain that has ever occurred and still occurs is tied to this broken relationship. God made it good. Man rejected it. And now sin and death entered the world. God said, if you eat it, you will die. Sin and death entered the world um, because man rejected God. And friends, all of history, from that brokenness until the rescue, that's the next hour coming, to the rescue that's to come, is about man's attempt to make it on his own and about God's offer to reestablish the broken relationship. God saying, I'm looking for you, and man saying, I'm running from you. I'm going to do it my way, which is human, humankind. All the pain. You know, here's what you want to do. When you're talking to people, Almost always. Why does God, why did God do this? Why does God, it's always going to come up when you're talking about it. Why did God allow this? And you go, you misunderstand. You don't understand the story. The story is God created it good. Man rejected God. Because man rejected God, there's garbage in the world. Pain and death are in the world. Sin is in the world because man rejected God. God never wanted it that way, but he gave man a free will to do that. I always say you're blaming the wrong one. Blame the serpent. Don't blame God. God didn't do it. God made it good, and God's going to bring it back to good. But he gave mankind a choice. If you want to reject me, go ahead and reject me. But you're going to see what it's going to cost you. What it's cost is all the pain in the world, all the destruction in the world. It's always boggling in my mind that when all those people look at the problems in the world, they look at it and say, well, they blame God. Genesis gives us a very clear account of who to blame. You blame the enemy. He's the one who's the cause of it. Mankind listened to the wrong one. And sin and death entered the world. So rejection. They rejected God. Man rejected God's way. Sin and death resulted. Second part of the story. What comes next? What's the next word? Rescue. Enter the hero. Who's the hero? Jesus. Scripture says in the Gospel of John, For God so loved the world... That he gave his only son. God does what to the world? Loves. That hasn't changed. Hasn't changed since the beginning of the relationship. God still loves the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish. If you eat it you will die. But guess what? If you come to Jesus you're not going to die anymore. Spiritually. Should not perish but will have eternal life. It's the rescue. The prophets had foretold that a hero would come who would forgive sin and give eternal life. They would rescue mankind from the chains of Satan and sin and death. When Jesus came, what do we know about the cross? He came and he gave his life in our place for us. And the Bible says he broke the curse of sin and death that began at the time of rejection. What he did is he reversed the curse. The curse started, if you eat it, you will die. And now in Christ, when you come to him to rescue you, he reverses it and says, in me you will live. Now in Christ, we've been rescued from sin. We've been rescued for death, from death. And we can now choose, because Christ is in us and we are in Christ, we can now choose to say no to sin 
and yes to God. We now have that ability in Christ. We're not ruled, we're not chained by the, by the sin of the enemy in the world anymore. Now we are free in Christ and we can in Christ say, no, I'm going to live like Jesus. We can do that. Jesus rescued us, but didn't just rescue us. Jesus wants to rescue everybody. Turn your Bibles with me to the verse that I've used for every message so far in our day one series. Every message has used these verses, so I'm hoping by the end they're ingrained on your heart. First Corinthians chapter two, second Corinthians chapter two, rather. Second Corinthians chapter five. I've used it so many times you think I could say it. Second Corinthians chapter five, verses eighteen and nineteen. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. That's our theme for day one. Look at that. Because of Jesus, God is not counting people's sins against them. He is freely forgiving anyone and everyone who comes to him. It's rescue, reconciliation, rescue. He has rescued us from the prison of sin. He is the hero of the story. Friends, when you're talking, you're saying the story, you're going, it's God created it good, man rejected God. Enter the hero, Jesus. He is putting it back to where it started. He's freeing you. From, the, from what the results of the rejection of God. And now you're in Christ and he rescues you from your sin and your, and your lostness in Jesus. He did it how? By going to the cross and giving his life in your place. But it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop with Jesus just rescuing us. Because then comes the last R. Rest, um, restoration. Because we have been rescued... We are then being restored. The relationship that was created perfect and whole in the beginning was shattered by sin. And that's what all the stories of all the problems and all the Bible and every headlines in the news is all about. Sin has shattered the world. But in Christ, our relationships are being restored. That's what happens in Christ. We come to Jesus. He rescues us. But then he doesn't stop there. He begins to restore. Put back together what he originally planned for us in the garden. He restores. He's putting it back. You know what restoring a car is? You strip it down, it falls apart, and you, you get the right parts and you put it back together. That's what he's doing right now when we're in Christ. The restoration of our relationship with him. We were distant from God because we were the run, run, running and hiding. God said, Adam, where are you? And Adam was Eve were hiding behind a tree. They ran and hid. He restores the relationship. He now calls us his, his family. He calls us his friends when we're in Christ. He restores the relationship. Then he begins to restore his character in us. We begin to grow and become more like Jesus. We talked about that as the storytellers. We hang out with him. We spend time with him. And we begin to think and act like him and look like him to the rest of the world. So he restores the character in us. And then he gives us a promise. A promise of total and complete restoration he says one day new bodies in a new heaven and a new earth 
living in a completely restored relationship with God and creation for all of eternity. It's a restoration to the Eden-like existence, but better. And how is that possible? But the Bible says it's going to be better. He's, he's restoring us. He's created this beautiful picture of what it's supposed to be like in Eden. Man rejected God. It was all destroyed. God's been calling out to man. We come back to God through Christ, and he restores us to what started back then, to that and something even more beautiful and perfect. That's the, that's, that's the, the climax of the story. So it's just a story. It's a relationship. God created a relationship. Mankind rejected the relationship. God reached out to us and rescued us. And we come to him, then he restores us back to the beautiful, gifted life he wanted us. We experience it now by living in the kingdom of God, but only partially. Because we still live in a world that's broken by sin. But one day he's going to completely restore it. And we'll walk in God, in a new heaven, a new earth, doing, I believe, doing all the things that God created you to do that you've been unable to do and limited to do because you live in a broken world. In heaven, when Mitch and Christine are singing and they're belting out that last line, you can turn my microphone on. Because I'm going to sing on key. I believe it. No, but you know what I'm going to be in heaven? Check it out. I'm going to be a folk singer. You don't know my alter, alter, alter ego is I want, to be the, I want to be a folk singer. I love that kind of music. That's what I do. I'm going to do that in heaven. I believe it. I'm going to sing. And, and I've been fired from guitar teachers three times. God is my witness three times. I've, they've said, finally, I know we say anybody can learn the guitar. Maybe leave it up to your wife. Seriously, said that to me. Um, I'm, going to, I'm going to play the guitar in heaven. I believe that. I'm going to have like eternity to figure it out. And, and a way more patient instructors because they won't be corrupted by sin. And my fingers will work the way they're supposed to because they won't be corrupted by sin, right? That's the picture. That's the story. Eden destroyed. God rescues us with the promise of recreating this beautiful thing that was back then. You just learned, that's the whole Bible. You just went from Genesis to Revelation. You literally did. And that's all we're explaining to people. We're explaining to them this story, the salvation story. And here's what I find is helpful when I remember the story and I'm talking to people about Jesus. I just want to help them figure out where they fit in the story. So I can explain the simple story. I say, where do you fit? Are you, living in, are you living in that reality? Here's a lot of people who don't know Christ. They're living in the reality of the rejection. Humankind rejected God, and because of that, every person's born as a human in humankind. They're living in a state of rejection of God. And we go, well, God made this beautiful thing, and you're living in this turmoil now without Christ. But you know what? He wants to rescue you. And you say, well, how does that? Well, he died. He gave his life on the cross. That's how he rescued you. You deserve to be punished for all that sin of mankind because God said it's just justice. It says that, that sin, that, that sin um, there's consequences to, to sin. And, and so Jesus paid it for me. He didn't ever sin. That's why Jesus was sinless. The big deal the scripture talks about Jesus being sinless. Why the enemy through media always tries to make Jesus not sinless. Oh, he really was having a relationship. No, no, no. no. They're trying to just make Jesus not sinless. Jesus lived a perfect life. Why? Because he gave his life in your place and my place. Because we aren't sinless. He gave his place. He gave his life in our place. And he gets what he does. He stamps on you. Paid in full. 
He rescued you. Paid in full. Paid in full. But he doesn't stop there. A lot of people want to stop there. They want to get in the door and say, oh, I asked Jesus into my life. God says, that's just, that's just the starting place. Now let's begin the restoration process. You know those hurts from your past? You're dealing with people and they're dealing with all stuff. You know those hurts from your past? All that wounding in your life? You've been, you've been re- rescued by Jesus. You've given your life to Christ. But now what God wants to do is he wants to help restore you. He wants to unwind that. He wants to heal different things in your life. We help them find where they fit in the story and say, you know what? I think you need some unwinding, some healing, some restoration. We all do. You know what? We've got a great class you could go to for that. You know, however we do it. Or let's talk about that. Or let's go to a great godly Christian therapist. All those things that God is restoring. Let's spend time in the Word of God together. And God restores. What's he doing? He's put, taking us back towards that Eden-like existence. Now, we won't, we won't live in Eden here. But we will someday. That's the promise of Scripture. So it's just a story, right? We help people find where they fit in the story. Relationship. Our loving God created mankind for relationship with him. Rejection. Man rejected God's way. Sin and death resulted. Rescue. Jesus came to reveal God and to rescue mankind from the curse of sin and death. Restoration. In Christ, our relationship with God is restored and we have the promise of complete restoration of all things eternally with God. Maybe during day one or sometime after day one, you're going to have this thing tucked in your Bible or you're going to hopefully just be able to remember it. It's four words. Remember it. And you're going to start talking to somebody else and you're going to go, I can tell them a story. Let me tell you this little story. You don't have to take 30 minutes to do it. You can do it in, in five minutes. Tell them the story. You go, where are you at in the story? Have you ever responded to Jesus? Oh, you have, okay, but you're really struggling. Well, then here's what God's trying to do in your life. He's trying to help you become more like Jesus. So let's pray and help you to get past some of these stumbling blocks in your life. And help them understand. They're in pain, and they know Jesus. Hold out hope. But here's what God promised in the end. You're going to have hope of a better, of a new heaven and new earth. We help them find where they're at in their story. We use the story to guide us and to help them understand how we can minister, how we can minister to them in that circumstance. That make sense? Let's pray together. Jesus, you gave your life so that all may live. Lord, what I do on behalf of our church family is I just say this, Lord, we open up our lives, our hearts to you. And we ask, give us opportunities to share your story with those people that you've put in our paths that don't yet know you or those who do know you and they're really struggling and we can help them find out how to advance in the story. Give us courage and wisdom and fill our hearts with love. Help us see we're never trying to prove a point. Maybe more importantly, we're never trying to prove somebody else wrong. We're simply trying to put the story before them and allow you, Holy Spirit, to inspire that story. And that, Lord, we ask that you would help us as we are in the restoration process 
to continue to become more like you so that when somebody looks at us, the story has life to it. Because we reveal your reality in the way we live. Now friends, as we're in just in a moment of prayer this morning, I encourage you just to close your eyes silence, kind of just like aloneness with God. I know we're in a group, but you're just kind of with the Lord in this moment. I want you to think about something. Where are you at in the story? Are you at a spot where you're saying, yeah, I said yes to Jesus, but you didn't really realize there was more. You didn't realize that God had a bunch of bunch of really good things that he wants to pour into your life. But you see it, yeah, you see, understand that he's trying to restore back to what was. Just open up your heart and allow the Lord to say, you know, what, what could you do in that process? Maybe he's going to ask you to just begin to spend some time in his word. Kind of like I described it yesterday morning, just sitting with the scriptures with your dog on your lap. And allowing the word of God to shape you and mold you. Maybe it's time for you to get a little more serious and, and say, you know what, I wanna I wanna join some of these classes or prayer times, these things that take a little extra time and energy in my life, but by them I'm going to be shaped. I'm going to learn. I'm gonna some old stuff's gonna fall away and some new stuff's gonna come that I'm going to prioritize the things of God over Netflix or whatever that is that could be. Just in this moment, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart and point out some things. Just say, okay, God, I want to walk with you in that. I'm willing to lay that aside. I'm willing to start to do that whatever the Spirit of the Lord is bringing to your heart this morning. Just be open and allow Him to speak to your heart. Now maybe you're here today kind of painted this very broad picture of the story. It's called the kind of the, the redemptive story of all of time. The story of God working with humankind. And you look for where you belong in that story and you understand that you're living in that kind of world of rejection. That you're living in a world that, that you, Jesus is not Lord of your life. He's not Meaning he's not the ruler of your life. You're not following him. You're following yourself. You're not following him. You may know something about him, but you're not following him. He's, he's not your, your leader. what he wants to have happen in your life is he wants you to, to, to come into a relationship with him. He wants you to live under the umbrella of his grace and his goodness and his protection. He wants you to become his child. He wants to be your God, the leader. But you really know that you're the leader of your own life. You're honest about it. You know you are. And because of that, you're experiencing a lot of stuff that comes with, with not really being 
walking with God that, that there's not a lot of joy and difficulty and, and there's not a lot of peace and, and turmoil and, and you're just filled with conflict. And today something's going on in your spirit. And you're saying, it's the day that I want to say yes to Jesus. Meaning, I want to say, Jesus, I want to, I don't even get it all, but I want to begin to follow you. If you're in that spot today, I believe this. The only reason you'd feel that is because the Holy Spirit of God is in this moment fulfilling His eternal plan. And He's just hes just whispering into your ear that He loves you and He wants you. And even if everybody else rejects you, He'll never reject you. Maybe no one's told you that before, but He loves you and He he's always has loved you and always will love you. But He wants you to come into relationship with Him. that's you today this is a church sitting here with their heads bowed and their eyes closed if that's you today I want to give you a chance to respond to say yes I want to say yes to Jesus I want to take the step and say Jesus you're offering me this a relationship with you the, the rescue you're going to rescue me and I want to reach out my hand to you so you can grab me by the hand he wants us to take a, he offers it and he says, now you receive it. If you're ready to say yes to Jesus today, I want you to do something with me and no one else is looking around. And I promise you, I won't call you out and I won't embarrass you. This is between you and God and me. If you want to say yes to Jesus today, I want you to do something. I want you to look up and look me right in the eye. I'm going to start over on my left. I'm just going to look at the congregation and say, just, I want you to look me right in the eye. Okay? Okay? How about the whole middle section? You're saying, I want to say yes to Jesus today. All right. Okay. Over to my right and your left. I'm not going to call you Art and Bears. I want you to have to make an action, though. Okay. I want us all to pray together. I want us all to pray together. I'm going to invite the whole congregation to pray. There's nothing magic to words. This is nothing about formulas. This is about just responding to the moment of the activity of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is the one doing the work in your heart. I did nothing to convince you of anything today. I just told you a story, a redemption story. So I'm going to invite our whole church and pray along with us. If you're saying these words from your heart, let's all pray this. Dear Jesus, I know that I need you. I open up my life to you right now. And I welcome you in. I've been my own God. And it's hard to let go. But today, I trust you. I'm turning to you. And I'm asking you'd come into my life you'd rescue me from sin and you'd be my Lord and from this day forward I want to walk with you so Jesus on this day I tell you that I'm going to be your follower and I ask you Lord Begin to restore my life.
make me like Jesus. Change my heart. Change my attitudes. Change my values. So that they line up with Jesus. So from this day forward, I ask for your help to be your follower. In Jesus' name. Those of you who prayed that this morning, it may be the first time you prayed it. It might be the tenth time because you recognize that I've never been serious about it. Maybe you thought you were, but you really realize you weren't. The Bible says this. Chapter and verse says this. That when you come to Christ, it says the angels in heaven rejoice more over one person coming to Jesus than 99 who are already there. So basically the party is saying this. Angels are celebrating today because multiple people said yes to Jesus. I want to tell you this. That process of, of, of restoration is not to be done in a vacuum. You, God didn't ever created you to come to Christ and then we'll figure it out on your own. He created the, the church family. There's a ch- universal church that's global, but then he has little church families all over. In port, there's dozens of them. And it's people who are saying yes to Jesus and are saying, how do we live this together? That restoration happens in relationship. Relationship with other people, helping each other praying for each other, walking together. I am encourage you to help us do that if you're from around here. Matter of fact, the, the process that Pastor Paul talked about t- today, follow, is this, this, this seven-point thing that is just a tool we use around here to help you in your initial steps. If you're ready to say, hey, I'd like to, I'd really like to partner with somebody. We have over 50 people that have been trained to go through follow. You come talk to me or talk to Pastor Paul and say, you know what, I want to I learn to go forward. And we'll pair you up with somebody to help you in these initial steps to walk in the right direction. We're saying we believe in this so much, we'll commit our time and our energy to helping you because we believe God has brought you here to advance in your walk with Him. So I'll tell you one more thing. If you said yes to Jesus before today, before your head hits the pillow tonight, I say this every time. Tell somebody that you know is a, is a follower of Jesus that today you said yes to Jesus. Because it kind of gives them permission to help you along the way. You're not supposed to do this on your own.